back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And the Scouting Combine Edition 2020 is a wrap. First, we'll go back to the weekend that was with the defensive backs' media availabilities from Friday, as well as the Dolphins' cancer challenge and the smashing success of that event on Saturday, and finish up with a comprehensive recap of the top performers on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium throughout the weekend. All of that and much, much more on this, the March 2nd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. And we start today's episode of the Drive Time Podcast by talking about the latter portion of the Dolphins' mission statement to be successful both on and off the field with the the off-the-field stuff and, of course, the Dolphins' Cancer Challenge, which ran for the 10th time this Saturday, a biking and running and walking event that takes place in South Florida and finishes at Hard Rock Stadium, the home of your Miami Dolphins. There were over six thousand participants this year and that includes Dolphins players, employees, team executives, Stephen Ross and Tom Garfinkel and Jason Jenkins all participating in that event and of course the 250 cancer survivors which is the ethos of the entire event supporting everybody affected by cancer whether it's survivors or people currently fighting the good fight and all those trying to bring awareness to this great cause the Miami Dolphins run down there annually with the Dolphins Cancer Challenge. Now In its 10 years of operation, this event has already generated $32.5 million over the 10 years for research at Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center, a part of UHealth, the University of Miami Health System. And that figure doesn't even include this year's total as donations are still being tabulated. In addition to numerous alumni participants, the Dolphins had 10 current players out there. Raekwon McMillan, Christian Wilkins, Miles Gaskin, and John Jenkins all traversed the 25-mile course, which was actually expanded to 30 miles because of detours throughout the city. Jesse Davis, Alan Hearns, Jonathan Ledbetter, and Nick Needham each completed the 14-mile course with Vince Beagle and Matt Hawk participating in the 5K portion. And we heard from two of those members, both guys that completed the 25-mile course. Raekwon McMillan first, a DCC board member, shared some thoughts on the event as well as the upcoming season for the Miami Dolphins after he rode the 30-mile course on Saturday. You've always been, <laughs> Raekwon, you've always been one of the you know biggest Dolphin supporters of this event here. You know, what does it mean to you to participate and see the turnout that's been today? I mean, ride with some of the survivors and uh, seeing some of the faces out there. I was just smiling and, and riding. Uh, and I see some of the living proof shirts. You know what I'm saying? It's living proof that they, they like, battle cancer, they came through it. And uh, the fight still goes on. So any, any way possible that I can use my name and my, my platform to help, like, build awareness about cancer, I'll, I'll do it. What can you say about the Dolphin just being so consistent and helping the community and especially for this cause, too? Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Ohio State. I don't want to keep bringing up Ohio State, but... You know, how they stay out in the community and how they're a national brand, how they try to brand themselves, uh, our, ourselves, is, uh, is, is very good, man. Any way we can help our community, we try to do it. You know, I had the business combine this past week. Yeah. Business week. What does it mean that the organization has so much into the off-field portion of you guys rather than just what y'all do on the field? Yeah, I feel like everybody in our organization, they invest in us as players and as men. You know what I'm saying? On the field, they invest in it. When building the facilities, make sure we're, we're good physically. 
and off the field too, making sure, like like you said, with the business combine, make sure we're good mentally and uh, keep it going throughout, throughout the summer. What kind of differences did you notice between this year and the past year for the DCC? Uh, there's a lot more people out here. I know that much. Uh, last year I rolled 14, this year I rolled 30. My back hurt a little bit. I was just laughing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just uh, more more buzz about it throughout the city. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people are talking about it. Ask me, am I going to be out on the ride still? So uh, just the buzz around it is, is pretty cool. Were you in the same group as Christian? Yeah, I was in the same group as Christian, but Christian finished a little bit before me. He finished first. He yeah, he, he, he finished first, man. He was out there riding. Uh, I guess he's a little bit better shape than me right now, so I got I got to catch up. So he didn't listen to the it's not a race rule. Oh no! Nah. As soon as he get, uh, heard the go, he was out of there. Yeah. I know uh, it's all season you're getting away, but what do you look when you look ahead to this upcoming season? What what excites you about what y'all can do on the field? Man, how we finished last year. I mean, I'm I'm not the type to look ahead to. You know what I'm saying? The future, the future is the future I'm worried about right now. And how we finish, I don't want to dwell on the past either, but how we finish, we got to keep the same momentum throughout the whole summer and keep it rolling until next year. How do you do that with a bunch of new players and a bunch of new coaches joining? Yeah, you do a good, do our coaches do a good job making sure we're all together. They build stuff like the, not our coaches, but the organization, the business combine, the DCC. You know what I'm saying? Build stuff around us that we can come to and all come together and show our face to it. And then I'd love to play you the audio for John Jenkins, but the wind is pretty bad, so it gets picked up on the microphones there. So we're not going to play it on the podcast because I don't want to blow your guys' eardrums out. So I'll just go ahead and read you quotes here because Jenkins had some great things to say about the event. Raising money, raising awareness for cancer, that's a big deal. The fact that people are out here enjoying it, you just don't know what's going on in their lives behind closed doors, but they're here enjoying themselves and trying to bring awareness and attention to cancer. It means a lot for me to be a part of that. He also spoke about his tree trunks for legs and how they allowed him to push down on the bike pedals, but also how his big frame provided a drafting mechanism for those folks behind him. So John Jenkins, a great Ricky Bobby-esque type of drafting system, maybe slingshot some of those riders into first place with a little shake and bake at the Dolphins Cancer Challenge. And it should come as no surprise that the Dolphins were at the forefront of this event and of all charitable contributions throughout the course of the season. Of course, they won the Huddle for 100 across all 32 franchises this year. And the DCC is the largest event fundraiser in the NFL. And 100% of the participant raised proceeds are donated to Innovative Cancer Research at Sylvester. For more information on this, visit www.com dolphinscancerchallenge.com. Let's go ahead and transition now back to Indianapolis and the Scouting Combine, which is officially complete for the 2020 season. Now we have Pro Days and the 30 visits and all the informal and formal meetings teams will do from now up until the draft, which is just seven weeks away in Las Vegas. Your Miami Dolphins pretty much hold the golden ticket to the draft with the 14 picks and an expected two compensatory picks coming down the pipeline. And I was all over the floor on Friday talking to as many of these defensive backs as I could at the final media availability on Friday at the Combine. It was a busy one. Let's go ahead and start here with the Draft Network's number one ranked safety, Alabama's Xavier McKinney. And one of the questions I wanted to ask Xavier was about his versatility, but luckily the reporter before me asked him about his versatility. Yeah, um, I think just balancing it all. Um, I think being able to focus uh, when you're at two different positions, because sometimes uh, maybe if you're, you know, at one spot, um, then the other one, you might try to do it better than you do it the other one. But I try to make sure that I do both, uh, you know, at the same tempo, at the same pace. Um, and, I, and I try not to get too focused on one. 
And if you read McKinney's player profile card on the Draft Network, they laud him for his instincts and his preparation skill set. So I wanted to ask him about that and going up against a quarterback every day in practice, the caliber of Tua Tungavailoa. Xavier, what does practicing against a guy like Tua Tungavailoa every day do to help your game? Oh, uh, man. Um, he's helped me a lot, man. Uh, you know, I've, we've had talks after practice. Um, and he's told me, uh, you know, what he sees and, and how, because he's looked me off uh, several times, several times. And, uh, you know, I got to a point where I started to get kind of frustrated because I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this. So, um, you know, we've talked and I've asked him, you know, what does he see that I'm not seeing or what is he doing that, you know, that I need to do? So, and he's also, you know, told me the same thing. He's like, uh, if I'm doing something, let me know after practice. Like, if, 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 if you don't see something, let me know. So that's what that's how we communicate. You ever pick him off in practice? I have. You let him know about it? I have. <laughs> um, you know, it's not a lot, though. I'm not going to sit up here and, and try to act like it's a lot. It's probably been probably about three times. Uh, but when I do get a pick, I'm happy, though. <laughs> up next was Minnesota's Antoine Winfield, who was asked about the Praise that head coach Brian Flores has given his father, Antoine Winfield Sr., as his favorite all-time cornerback. This question came in from Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post, and then I followed up with a question about Antoine's versatility. Antoine, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores, you told us that your dad was his favorite all-time defensive back. I don't know if you knew that, what your reaction is. Have you met Brian yet? No, I have not, but um, that's, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, that's just great to hear. He, he said that he appreciated that even though he wasn't the biggest guy, that he played tough and physical and could cover and tackle. How, how does your skill set compare to what you saw when you watched that on film? Yeah, very similar. You know, we're almost about the same in size. And, um, you know, my dad had a lot of heart, and that's kind of what I looked up to in him. Uh, just seeing him go out there against, like I said, professionals, like great guys that you see on TV all the time. And um, that's just something I kind of modify my game after, you know. It's not about how big you are, how tall you are. It's about how much fight you have. Antoine, you had seven picks last year. You're down in the box, supporting the run game, blitzing the quarterback. What's the one thing you do best? Um, I think uh, versatility is my best attribute. Um, I can pretty much play anywhere. And also creating takeaways. You know, that's my goal to uh, create takeaways for my team. That gives us the best opportunity to win, and I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. I then caught up with Utah safety Julian Blackman to ask him what makes him stand out from the rest of the class there in Indianapolis. Among all the things you do, whether it's covering a back or a tight end or playing off the ball, maybe coming down and blitzing. I think you had a forced fumble. I forget the game. What is the number one thing that you do best? I would just say my instincts is the best thing that I do. Um, just being able to adapt, like I said, understanding football. I have a really high football IQ, so I think that that helps a lot. What was that conversation like with Kyle Whittingham when he asked you to move the safety from cornerback? I was the one who brought it to him. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I just thought that it would be a good idea for me to move to safety just because my play style is more, you know, playmaking uh, rather than just guarding a guy. But, I mean, I can do that too. But it was just I really wanted to make plays and be able to see the whole field. And on that topic with Kyle Whittingham, what is some of the stuff that he did in that, in that program at Utah that prepares you guys to get to the next level? you got nine teammates here. I would say just making sure that we're all a pro, it's a pro-style defense and it's a pro-style offense. Um, just making sure that we all understand more than just what our job is. But uh, once we perfect our job, you make sure that we understand things like gaps, um, you know, um, and positioning and understanding where our guys will be so that we can make plays. So it really helps when we have interviews here. Ohio State has a pair of cornerbacks that should get drafted relatively high. I caught up with Damon Arnett, the other cornerback opposite Jeffrey Okuda there at Ohio State. Damon, you mentioned the chip on your shoulder, and when I watch your tape, you're an ultimate bully out there. Where did that chip from your on your shoulder come from originally? Um, 
always always being overlooked, always being uh, the underdog, literally and everything I do, like coming out of high school, three-star, you know what I'm saying? It took me a while to get my stuff together out of Ohio State. Um, and, and, and just naturally, I just always be in the shadows, just grinding. Like I'll, I'll go through my, my own personal issues, but at the end of the day, I always, always rise up on top, so... And Ohio State has been no stranger to the college football playoff. Another team that has crashed the college football playoff party just about every single year since its inception, the Clemson Tigers and cornerback A.J. Terrell, who I talked to about his last two appearances in the national championship game, one with a pick six against Alabama in 2019, and then two against Jamar Chase, the Blitnikoff winner of the 2020 national championship game. Yeah, I want to go back to the national championship game two years ago against Tua Tungavailoa, that pick six. Can you walk me through that play and kind of what you saw and brought you to the football there? Uh, preparation, you know, just uh, we, we had great preparation and um, that play, uh, we have been uh, a great cover two call, uh, just sat on the route and uh, took it to the house. And this year, the national championship game, Jamar Chase had a big day, but you were in tight coverage all day. What's it like for a defensive back to kind of be in the right position, but still have the receiver produce like that? Right, uh, that just great competition, you know, started out strong. Uh, you know, he got the best of me some plays, and, you know, just going counter uh, back and forth, that was that was a great competition. Uh, and, you know, we just, every, every time we lined up, uh, just couldn't take a playoff. And LSU receiver Jamar Chase pretty much got every cornerback he faced this past season, except Mississippi State's Cameron Dantzler, who talked about that matchup this year against Jamar Chase. Cam, nobody handled Blitnikoff winner Jamar Chase anywhere near like you did. What was it about that matchup that was that allowed you to have success against him? Um, just uh, watching film on him, you know. I knew it was going to be a big matchup for me and a big game for me. Um, just watching film just made it easier for me. So, like, his, um, his technique, uh, what he liked to do, the routes he liked to run, his leverage. It's some, sometimes his leverage gave up the route, so... I just, you know, studied that and just brought it to the game with me and just um, did the best I could do. What coverage are you most comfortable in? Oh, it really doesn't matter. I could do cover three, cover one, two, man. It really doesn't matter. I could play any coverage. And those defensive backs were the last ones to work out in Indianapolis on Sunday as the workouts and the combine has concluded. And the NFL calendar is about to heat up with free agency just a couple of weeks away and the draft now seven weeks away. We turn our attention to the combine here and the article up on MiamiDolphins.com taking a look at the top performers on the field in Indianapolis throughout the weekend. And I start with a disclaimer that we were given by Jim Nagy in the interview on the Friday podcast, the Friday edition of the Drive Time podcast, to make a note that the Combine is all about just giving scouts a chance to kind of double check their work and go back and see where maybe they might have made a mistake or maybe they need more time in the film room on a particular player. Nagy said, quote, whether it's something testing wise or the other day when everyone made a big deal about Joe Burrow's hand size, with Joe's hand size, you go back and pull up LSU tape of a bad weather game or two bad weather games and see how he controlled the ball. If a guy runs a slower 40 time than maybe you thought he played on the field, then you go back and you check your eyes again. So with that in mind, these athletic measurements, they have a place in the process, but again, the tape always rules all, but I want to go over the best performers at each position group and check off who did the best in each event under those position groups. And we start here with the quarterbacks and the 40-yard dash and vertical jump on the quarterbacks went to Cole McDonald of Hawaii with a 4.58 40-yard dash and a 36-inch vertical jump. 
and you saw that athletic ability on display in his tape in college. He piled up 82 total touchdowns, and 12 of those were on the ground. He also threw for 8,032 yards in Nick Rolovich's run-and-shoot offense there at Hawaii. We had a tie for the broad jump at 125 inches between Kelly Bryant of Missouri and Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, and I love that they're on that spot because these two guys played against each other in the playoff game, the Sugar Bowl, in 2017, or 2018, rather, after the 2017 season against one another. Of course, Alabama and Jalen Hurts won that year, and then Hurts with Bama one more year, and Oklahoma the following year goes back to the playoffs in three consecutive seasons, and then this past year, Kelly Bryant had his career high in touchdown passes at Mizzou. The top three cone time among quarterbacks, 7.06 seconds for Justin Herbert from Oregon, fresh off that Rose Bowl winning season. He acquits himself well in the athletic measure of the three cone time. He had three rushing touchdowns in that victory over Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl with a career high there, and brought his four-year total up to 13 touchdowns runs via the ground. He is the number three ranked player on the Draft Network's quarterback rankings and number 15 overall among all positions. Also working out on Thursday night, the opening night of the scouting combine as far as on-field drills go, were the wide receivers and the pace setter for the 40-yard dash. Henry Ruggs at Alabama sets the pace with a 4.27 blazing 40-yard dash time. And that time was just five one hundredths of a second from matching John Ross's record of 4.22 seconds. And that speed definitely shows up on tape and it produced an average of 17.5 yards per reception. And Rugg scored touchdowns on 25 of 100 career touches, a 25% touchdown maker there at Alabama. Quentin Seafest set the pace with 23 bench press reps from Wisconsin. This quote from the Draft Network, as a blocker at the catch point, at the line of scrimmage or in run-after-catch scenarios, he's a good blend of quickness, strength, balance, and intensity that blend for a fun mix. That's Kyle Krabs' note. The strength and tenacity of Cephas's game translates to his position pacing performance there on the bench press. The vertical and broad jumps both go to Donovan Peoples-Jones of Michigan. 44 and a half inches vertical, 139 inches on the broad jump. And that 44 and a half inch vertical jump is third all time at the combine and was just a half inch shy of tying the all time record of 45 inches. Peoples Jones scored 14 touchdowns and had 1,327 yards there at Michigan. And finally, the three cone time of Denzel Mims. He scores 12 touchdowns, 1,020 yards this past season to help Baylor get to a school tying record 11 victories. He also ran a 4.38 in the 40, which was third among wide receivers this combine. Also on Thursday night, the tight ends, we start with the 40-yard dash. Albert Okawebaum, I think I got that right, from Missouri, 4.49 seconds on the 40-yard dash there. And at 6'5", 255, what an impressive time that was for the Missouri product. He caught 23 touchdowns there his three years in college. On the bench press, Josiah Deguara from Cincinnati, 25 reps there, and he's regarded as one of the more versatile tight ends in this class, according to the Draft Network and Joe Marino, and he showcased that functional strength strength on his tape quote Deguara is a versatile blocker and receiver who can win both in line and flexed as a wide receiver end quote there Notre Dame tight end Cole Komet set the standard on the vertical jump with 37 inches 
He also came in second in the 40-yard dash and broad jumps at the Combine among all tight ends. And Notre Dame is more of a run-first scheme, but Komet still scored six touchdowns and had 515 yards this past season to finish up his collegiate career. Dalton Keene went 125 inches on the broad jump. He was a top-five finisher among tight ends on the bench press, broad vertical jumps, as well as the 40-yard dash, so one of the athletic marvels here in Indianapolis. Adam Troutman wins the three-cone time with a ridiculous 6.78-second three-cone time. He was a high school quarterback, transitions to tight end at Dayton. He carries a lot of buzz from the Senior Bowl into the workouts, and he won the position's three-cone time and also had the fourth-highest broad jump among all tight ends. We now transition to Friday night and the offensive line and the running backs. Starting with the running backs, the 40-yard dash was set by Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin, 4.39 seconds, and that time does well for him because of the production he had in college. College, 55 career touchdowns, 6,174 yards in three years there at Wisconsin. A great workout for the Wisconsin Badger tailback. Scotty Phillips from Mississippi hit 29 reps on the bench press. He was a junior college transfer there, scored 14 of his 20 career touchdowns that first season at Mississippi and averaged 6.1 yards per carry on the ground that same season. A.J. Dillon was the vertical and broad jump champion among running backs, 41 inches vertically, 131 inches on the broad, and that explosive explosiveness was on display all season long running through ball carriers I often compare him to Ronnie Brown the former Miami Dolphins tailback and you saw that power but also the fleet of foot ability of Dylan every Saturday throughout the fall this past season at Boston College and at 247 for him to go 4.53 on the 40 yard dash that's pretty impressive Joshua Kelly wins the three-cone time among tailbacks, 6.95 seconds. He had a great senior bowl week that carried success into the combine, 25 career touchdowns there, and 2,303 yards in a two-year career with the UCLA Bruins out here in the Pac-12. On the offensive line, Tristan Wirfs was the man of the night Friday. He went for the best 40-yard dash time at 4.85 seconds, the best vertical jump at 36.5 inches, and 121 inches on the broad jump to set the pace in all three of those categories. And an interesting factoid about Wirfs, he is the first ever true freshman to start for Kirk Ferentz there at Iowa, a program that's rich in their offensive line history. He played both the left and right side, and Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network has compared him to Quinton Nelson should he kick inside to guard as a pro, but it sounds like for now he might play tackle, and who would blame him? He's great at that position. The pace setter on the bench pass was Natane Moody from Fresno State. He put up 44 reps, just four shy of the record at 48 in the combine. Only played five games the last two years, but his tape is as good as any guard in this class. That strength he showed in the bench press is on display every single week, as well as his athletic profile. This from the Draft Network's Benjamin Solak, special movement abilities. End quote. That's it. That's all there is to it. Strong and athletic. A good combination for a guard. And then the three-cone time was set by Boise State's Ezra Cleveland. 7.26 seconds for him there. He too has rare movement abilities as that three-cone time was nearly 0.2 seconds better than any other offensive lineman that competed this week in Indianapolis. Matt Hennessy from Temple was next at 7.45 behind Cleveland's 7.26. Cleveland also finished third among linemen in the 40-yard dash and in the top 11 in both broad and vertical jumps. Going over to the other side of the football, the defensive line, James Smith-Williams from North Carolina State had a 4.640. That was the pace setter. This was a week of marvels in Indianapolis. Big dudes that can run really fast. 
and Smith Williams was among that group at 265 pounds. That combination of length and athletic ability make him an intriguing edge option at the next level. On the bench press, Devon Hamilton from Ohio State put up 33 reps. And if you watch his tape, that's not a surprise. This is a power player. But he also showcased an athletic profile with a 102-inch broad jump and a 40 time of 5.14 seconds. Among defensive linemen, nobody outjumped Miami product Jonathan Garvin. He is a Lake Worth native, played his home games at Hard Rock Stadium there for Miami, and he was all over the leaderboard this week, finishing second in the broad jump and tied for ninth in the 40-yard dash among defensive linemen. The broad jump goes to Jabari Zaniga of Florida, 127 inches for him there. This event was really made for a guy like Jabari Zaniga, who also finished within .04 seconds of leading the defensive lineman in the 40-yard dash. Finally, the best three-cone time goes to North Dakota State's Derek Tuska. He had a significant gap between he and the second-place finisher among defensive linemen for the three-cone time. He was one of just a few players there to come in under seven seconds on that three-cone time, also put up a 4.79 40-yard dash and a 120-inch broad jump. At linebacker, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson was always going to do well in these workouts, and he was across the top of the leaderboard in the three categories where he worked out. Of course, setting the pace with a 4.39 second 40-yard dash. He also checks in at fourth in the vertical jump and second in the broad jump, and those workouts put a nice capper to an impressive career there at Clemson with a stat sheet that was full up this last season, 104 tackles, 16 and a half of those for a loss, eight sacks, three picks, and two forced fumbles. On the bench press, Kaliki Hudson from Michigan, who had some great praise for new Dolphins linebacker coach Anthony Campanelli. We have the story on that on MiamiDolphins.com. Check that out. But he might be a potential safety linebacker hybrid convert because he's 224 pounds, but at that size, he still puts up 30 bench press reps, a great number for him there. On the vertical jump, Dante Olsen from Montana out here in the Pacific Northwest had a great workout with the sixth best three-cone time among all linebackers. Willie Gay Jr., Mississippi State product, probably had the second best combine of any linebacker besides Isaiah Simmons there. He was all over the leaderboard. Of course, first place with 136 inches on the broad jump. His lowest finish among these five categories was in the three-cone time at 11th place. He checked in with the second fastest 40 time behind Simmons and the second best vertical jump and also was seventh in the bench press workout among linebackers. Finally, the three-cone best time goes to Malik Harrison from Ohio State. He has the requisite length, instincts, and production for the position. And in addition to a combined best among linebackers, 6.83-second three-cone time, he also put up a 36-inch vertical and 122-inch broad jumps in Indianapolis. Finally, the defensive backs, the folks we talked to on Friday earlier in this podcast, played the sound for you guys. The 40-yard dash, best time among defensive backs, and second best time across the entire combine goes to Javelin K. Gidry from Utah, was .09 seconds faster than the next best time among defensive backs, and of course was second to Henry Ruggs. He also put up 21 bench press reps, just three off the pace of the leaders. Cameron Curl from Arkansas and Daniel Thomas of Auburn, 24 bench press reps. And the two of those guys, both Curl and Thomas, also tied in their broad jumps at 125 inches. Kyle Duggar, the Lenore Ryan safety, won the vertical jump contest among defensive backs 42 inches. He blew the roof off the combine, third among defensive backs in the broad jump, and he broke that coveted 4.5 mark for defensive backs, especially for a safety at a 4.49 40-yard dash. 
The best broad jump goes to 138 inches of Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. He had a great week of practice in Mobile at the Senior Bowl and then reasserted himself this week in Indianapolis. In addition to pacing the defensive back group among the broad jumpers, he was second in the vertical jump. And finally, the three-cone winner for defensive backs, Kayvon Wallace from Clemson, 6.76 seconds. He had the twitchy skill set that really was on display with that three-cone time. He also had the second-best three-cone time across the entire combine behind only Denzel Mims, the receiver from Baylor. He had good ball production this year, which is kind of proof of the explosiveness from those legs. And in addition to the three cone time, 133 inch broad jumps and 38 inch in the vertical. And that ball production was career highs in both interceptions this season with two and pass breakups with 10. All right, that is it. That is all our combine coverage for now is a wrap, but we're going to get back into it on the next couple of podcasts here. We have Kent Lee Platt, the creator of the RAS scorecard, the relative athletic scorecard. We'll talk to him about who posted the best scores this year, as well as revisit some of the best RA scores from our current Miami Dolphins. Wednesday, we're going to have Jordan Reed of the Draft Network on to talk about his current big board, general draft thoughts, and of course, a former college quarterback himself this quarterback class. But as for today's edition of the Drive Time Podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com, your home for the best written content on your Miami Dolphins. Till next time, fins up.